Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. This is the preview show and as ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Don't forget the Chronicles of Aguna is sponsored by Loserpool.com, a fantastic new betting game. Head over to Loserpool.com for more information uh, and how you can find out how to sign up and how to play and get yourself uh, on the bandwagon and winning some of those brilliant cash prizes. On this week's edition, we'll be looking back at the victory over Barte Borisov. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's clash with Southampton. After all, it is the preview show. My guest this week is football writer and podcaster, Connor Dunford. He also happens to be a Southampton fan. So he'll be giving us some insight into Ralph Hasenhutl's side ahead of this one. Right, let's begin with the victory over Barte Borisov. Arsenal safely through to the round of 16 of this year's Europa League competition. At the time of recording, the draw hasn't been made yet. I'm recording this uh, on Friday morning, so we're still not sure who we'll be facing in the next round. So, uh, of course, we'll be updating you uh, via Twitter on that as soon as we know who our opponents will be. But let's start with the game yesterday. Um, obviously, the attendance was was pretty poor, but... Given the kickoff time, it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, normally I moan when um, I go to games and, you know, there's lots of season ticket holders who choose to stay away. But yesterday was understandable. Most people don't finish work till six o'clock, let alone, uh, you know, be able to get down to the Emirates in time for that game. So I think that was poor on UEFA's part. I think it's partly to do with the fact that Chelsea were playing at eight o'clock. But for me, it's still not fair. Uh, I think they've got to find another solution to this. I don't see why it's always us that seem to start at six o'clock. I, I don't remember um, a Chelsea game starting at that time, a Chelsea home game anyway. Um, somebody said to me that it's because they've got a higher ranking with UEFA or something like that in recent years. And so they get first choice on who plays at, at eight o'clock. I'm not sure if that's true. I'd like to know if it is. If you guys know any more on that, do let me know. Um, but if that is the case, it seems pretty pathetic to me. It makes sense to share it, doesn't it? Um, and, and play one each like that. But we've had two now uh, and Chelsea haven't had any. So for me, that's not fair. Now, of course, all of the talk ahead of the game was whether Mesut Ozil was going to play. Was Mesut Ozil going to feature? That was the topic on everybody's lips. And sure enough, Mesut Ozil started and sure enough, Mesut Ozil made a difference, in my opinion. Um, As I tweeted yesterday, immediately after the game, I don't think he set the game alight, um, but his his touches were there, his his vision was there and his movement was there. And that movement sort of creates spaces, doesn't it, for other people. And his influence in the team was big, in my opinion. And it was a big influence without him really grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, what a bit of class in the final third can do for you. Um, There were some quotes, actually, from Alex Iwobi yesterday after the game, who I thought, by the way, played really, really well. Um, And he said, we know what Messi is like because we see him in training every day. He's world class. We scored three goals as a result of him playing. I know if I make a run, he has the vision to find me. Hopefully he can keep on playing. And that's a pretty strong statement from Alex Iwobi. I think it's clear from being at the game yesterday that Mesut Ozil is a very popular figure in the dressing room. Um, He he seems to share a laugh and a joke with with everybody, Um, you know, congratulates everybody when they do something well. And, And for me, it's difficult to see 
how Emery can continue to leave this guy out of the team. I think yesterday proved that he has got that level of class and that ability that we don't have anywhere else in the team. Granted, Barte Borisov are an awful football team. It's still beyond me how we lost to them in the first leg. But for me, Mesut Ozil's influence in this side is big. And when Mesut Ozil's playing even a 7 out of 10 like he did yesterday, it has an impact on this team, doesn't it? It creates things for us. I also thought that Granit Xhaka um, was a lot better for Mesut Ozil being in the side. And you're probably scratching your head and thinking, what on earth difference does Mesut Ozil make to Granit Xhaka? But it felt as though when Granit Xhaka received the ball from the defence, he had an option immediately in Mesut Ozil because Ozil's movement was so good that he was drifting into spaces and Xhaka was able to pick him out. I think what else happens is that when Mesut Ozil gets in those positions and plays those nice little layoffs and passes that he does in and around the box. Granit Xhaka gets sort of, um, what's the word? He gets the space to step forward and, and hit a few long shots. I know some of them were terrible last night. One of them stung the palms of the goalkeeper, but just it, that movement and, and that taking away of, of the opposition allows the likes of Granit Xhaka to step forward and, and get involved in our attacking play as well. And, you know, people debate about Granit Xhaka all the time. For me, Granit Xhaka is definitely... Um, more comfortable when he's attacking the opponent's goal rather than when he's defending his own. Obviously, two of the goals um, came from set pieces, from corners taken by Granit Xhaka. Fantastic deliveries. Mustafi got the first one. Socrates got the second. Uh, but for me, you know, I've read a few things today from people saying, you know, uh, credit to Unai Emery. He's been obviously working on set pieces and that's come to fruition in this game and fair play to him. And I'm not... You know, I know a lot of you think that I've been really negative towards Unai Emery in recent weeks. Um, that's not the case. I just want to see this football team do the best it can. And I was frustrated and I still am frustrated. That hasn't passed because we've beaten Barte Borisov, a team of tractor engineers from Belarus. Uh, no offence, but that's what they are. So, I mean, the, the set pieces were great and stuff. And yes, you know, I mean, if you think back, when was the last time Arsenal's two centre-halves scored from corners in the same game? I certainly can't remember when that last happened. But for me, the first one in particular, Mustafi, you know, he gets a run on the defender. He's right on the edge of the six-yard box. And you've got to question the defender there. I mean, surely, if, if that was us conceding that goal, you'd be talking about how bad the defending was. You wouldn't be praising the set-piece taker and, and the goal scorer. So... Yes, it's a good cross. It's a good, powerful header from Mustafi. does well to get in front of his man. But I mean, let's not blow that out of proportion. And the same with the second one from Socrates. You know, the corner comes in, goalkeeper caught in absolute no man's land. Defender switches off uh, because he thinks the keeper's going to get it. And Socrates just rises that little bit higher and manages to guide it into the goal. So, you know, and obviously the first goal was an own goal. So, yes... We won, let's be happy, and, and it was an efficient performance. I'd say that's the right word. There was a scare in the first half, um, despite what some people are reporting. I thought there was only one real scare, and that was the one that Stefan Licksteiner cleared off the line. Um, other than that, there was a couple of other speculative efforts, one in the second half that Pedacek saved comfortably, and one uh, from a, a very acute angle in the first half, and to be fair, it was never going in. Uh, it was always going in the side netting. Such was the angle. So no real scares. Uh, and we're through. And, and that's what matters. Now, I have been critical of Unai Emery of late. And I think that 
in a way, the suspension to Lacazette forced Unai Emery into picking the team that he did yesterday. Um, I thought that with Mkhitaryan and Ozil both in the same team, we had a lot more creativity. Mkhitaryan also gives you that hard work element as well. So you can't say that he's a luxury player only. Um, he gives you a bit of both and that's credit to him. I thought he worked himself into the ground again yesterday. He got tired. He had to come off and that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, you know, I think having both of them in the team gives you a little bit more invention. Um, I thought Aubameyang was more effective in the first half yesterday, pulling out onto that right flank at times. And then what what you do is your runner, your, your Mkhitaryan or your Ozil, who's pulled out there, then gets the space to drift inside when the forward does that. So it's all about interchanging positions. And I think that this Arsenal team that we saw last night was able to do that perhaps better than some of the other teams Unai Emery's picked of late. I think when you play with two centre forwards, you're restricted in what you can do in terms of interchanging. People talk about Aubameyang operating from the left. I think he's not very effective there. And I think there's a difference between pulling out into a position and, and picking the ball up and causing the opponent problems and starting in that position. When you start in those positions, you're marked from the offset. When you're drifting out there, it, it's... You know, you'll often find yourself in a situation where the defender hasn't followed you. So, um, you know, I think the the interchangeable nature of our side yesterday was was particularly pleasing to see. Now, Unai Emery, one thing I I will give him praise for, I've got to, um, is his celebration for Mustafi's goal. I mean, they showed it on the big screen uh, as soon as the goal went in, and he the, as the cross came over, he sort of makes a headering motion himself, as if he's headering the ball himself. And then you can see the passion. You can see the passion from Emery when the ball goes in the back of the net. And whilst I may sometimes question his tactical decisions, uh, question his team selections, you can never question Unai Emery's passion. And for that, he deserves immense credit. Because I thought, um, not just yesterday, throughout this season, we've seen how much this job means to him. And, you know, it's nice to see someone care, isn't it? It's nice to see somebody so into it and, and sort of celebrating like a supporter. I know others think it's unprofessional for me. I've got no issue with it. I think it's brilliant and I enjoyed seeing that. So looking ahead to the Europa League draw, which, as I said, takes place a little bit later on today uh, at the time of recording, just looking at the teams left in the pot now, all the teams that I'm about to tell you are able to meet each other. Uh, there's no seeding or country protection except the teams from Russia and Ukraine. They cannot be drawn together for obvious reasons. But there's Benfica in there. Um, there's Chelsea in there. Dynamo Zagreb, Dynamo Kiev, Eintracht, Frankfurt, Inter Milan, Krasnodar, Napoli, Rennes, Salzburg, Sevilla, Slavia, Prague, Valencia, Villarreal and Zenit, St. Petersburg. Now, Obviously, when you look at that, the teams that, that jump out to you, the teams that I don't particularly want to face are, of course, Chelsea. Uh, I don't want to face Napoli. I don't want to face Inter Milan. Um, I'm not overly enthused by the prospect of playing Sevilla. Uh, and Benfica are a dodgy one for me as well. I think when you look at the others, when you look at Dynamo Zagreb, you look at Dynamo Kiev and some maybe the Russian team Zenit St. Petersburg or Krasnodar you look at those and you think they're dodgy away trips but at home we should have enough so you wouldn't be overly disappointed if we got one of those I don't think um, but another team in there who are kind of the dark horses I feel in this draw is Eintracht Frankfurt uh, they're a side who you don't know what you're going to get from and, and they could be a potentially dangerous appointment 
a reunion with Santi Cazorla at Villarreal would be nice, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an open draw, so we'll have to see how it goes. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll know, obviously, well, not hopefully, we will know later on today who we'll be facing. And we'll touch on that on uh, Tuesday's uh, review show uh, and uh, get our guests' thoughts Right, let's get back to business. This is the preview show, as I keep on saying. So it's only right that we preview this weekend's game. My guest this week is Connor Dunford. Connor is a football writer. He works for various outlets and he's a podcaster with the Breaking the Lines podcast, which is really interesting. You always get some fantastic guests on there. So do check that out. Uh, This is what Connor had to say ahead of the weekend's game. Connor, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, my friend. How, How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Harry. How are you doing? Good. Not too bad, not too bad. Not long got back from the uh, Emirates after the Barté Borisov win. Uh, to say it was a uninspiring display um, would be an understatement. It was one of those games, wasn't it? There was over early doors and then you're kind of just watching the clock until it finishes. But anyway, um, that's enough about tonight. Let's talk about Sunday. This is the preview show after all. Um, and I thought who better uh, than yourself to give us some insight on Southampton and, and talk a little bit about what we can expect on Sunday. Now, Connor, if I'm not mistaken, the, the win against us at St. Mary's earlier on in the season, was that Ralph Hasenhutl's first game? It was his second game. Second, um, that's right. Yep. We lost to Cardiff 1-0 the first game, but it was that was with like 24 hours training. So it was just his first unofficial proper game, really. So in in terms of Hasenhutl, you know, he's come in, he was quite highly rated around Europe uh, before he, he came to Southampton uh, from the, for the job he'd done at Leipzig in the past. What have you noticed is different about the Southampton side. Obviously the results have, have improved a little bit, but in terms of the style of play, what has he brought to the club? Well, when the front name was first bounded about on Twitter, obviously everyone does that, does their research. And we came across uh, Archie Ryan Tut, who's a, a Bundesliga expert. And his description was, you are going to run a lot. And he wasn't run. He wasn't wrong. Sorry. He, we run and we run and we run and we run. Um, so it's, it's just, intense pressing really there's i wouldn't strictly say there's a an attacking style or pattern um but it's almost forcing mistakes from the defense i mean as as you guys were the uh the victims of in, in that win earlier in the season yeah i mean i've spoken about that win on last week's show actually on the or sorry on the show earlier on this week where i was talking about kind of when i lost a bit of i wouldn't say faith but when I started to question some of Unai Emery's decisions, that was probably one of the first games because if you remember that day, he ended up playing with Xhaka and Licksteiner as part of a back three, which to me made no sense. And, and obviously there was a half-fit Lauren Koscielny who'd come in, come in team after a really long layoff. So that was you know one of the games that I started to question Unai Emery. And then I think since then, I think the performances haven't been great. I mean, you can count how many times Arsenal have played well on one hand uh, probably since then so it's not all been plain sailing but in terms of Southampton you know you've won two out of your last five I think you're in the relegation zone at the moment are you hopeful that Hazen Hootel can get you out of it and that you can obviously fight fight the battle and and remain a Premier League club I mean asked me two and a half three weeks ago yes I was I was very very 
hopeful that we'd stay up, but it's just them odd results that have just dragged us right back in it. It tends to be, um, I think, it comes down to fitness. Ultimately, we we don't have the mental or physical fitness to play his style for for ninety ninety five minutes. Once you had injury time in, we've conceded a lot of late goals, um, especially when you come up against teams teams roughly on our level where they aren't as inclined to come and attack us. So there's less room for mistakes. Um, they're compact, organised, and we have to try and break them down. I think uh, at Leipzig, I'm pretty sure it's Timo Werner came out and said, we've got the ball and we don't know what to do with it because we're not a possession-based team like we were before. So, you know, it's it all depends on other sides for us. I think we need, unfortunately, we're in a position where we need to hope there are two, maybe three worse teams better than three teams worse than us. Yeah. For the rest of the season. Okay. In, in terms of formation and stuff, how does Haas and Hootel like to, to line his side up? What can we expect at the weekend, in your opinion? It's going to be three or five at the back, whoever you want to call it. Um, Bertrand's back, which he's going to start getting into the groove of things. That's, that's a big um, a big positive for us. Uh, Jan Valerie at right back has been revelations of strong words, but compared to what we had before in Cedric, he's been, he's been fantastic. Um, Vestergaard is, is, is improving at centre-back as well as Bednarak is another one who's just a diamond in the rough really um, and then it's going to be one of Stevens or Yoshida in that role there um, that's probably the weak link that's probably where your, your, your Aubameyang your Lacazette is going to get the most joy um, Ings are still injured Long and Austin are useless yeah, so it's <laughs> going to be almost a yeah, five three two really, and Redmond in that kind of forward false nine ish role does what he wants. Just is a threat in and around that defence. Yeah, I mean, you say Long and Austin are useless. Well, Austin always seems to bloody score against us, doesn't he? I don't right, know what he that's the winner, didn't he last time? Yeah, <laughs> he always scores against Arsenal. Always does. Um, in terms of obviously, you've you've gone through sort of the team there. Who are the players that? Arsenal need to be wary of because it's been no secret that our defence has been a shambles this season you know despite the new manager coming in I think one of the things that people have been critical of is is his inability to tighten up this defence Socrates returned to the side tonight uh, against Barté so the hope is that he'll be ready to start at the weekend and that strengthens us in my opinion anyway um, but we have lost Lauren Koscielny now. Uh, he went off with an injury. So who who sort of, apart, well, I guess, would it be Nathan Redmond that you'd say is probably Southampton's biggest threat? Absolutely. He, if we're going to get anything from the game, it's going to be through him. Um, and perhaps against, depends on who you line up with, because uh, as much as I said Shane Long's useless, against your Lickshners and your, say, Jack or whoever, it's going to be a nuisance. And they're kind of almost liabilities for you guys, aren't they? So I think, yeah, but Nathan Redmond is going to be the main threat. And then it's, it's for us, it d- depends massively on how Romeo plays down the other end of the pitch. Cause if he has a good game and nullifies your, whoever it ends up being, Iwobi, Mikatari and um, Ozil, um, he's going to be key for us defensively. But yeah, going forward, if Nathan Redmond's on form, we, we stand half a chance at least. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, in terms of a prediction, Connor, um, I'm going to give you mine first. Um, I think that it's going to end in an Arsenal victory, and I'm saying that because we're at home. Um, and for me, 
I think that I don't know. I, th- I think that we we really need to get three points here. We need to pick up three points with Bournemouth on uh, on Wednesday night. I think that is next week as well. So for us, for us, it's a really important time, a really important period, and we're looking at these games obviously with Spurs and United around the corner as must-win games. So I think Arsenal will do the business. I'm going to go for a uh, a two-nil win. Uh, what, what's your prediction, mate? Unfortunately, I, I'm going to agree with you there because we're on Sky, aren't we? And um, my God, we can't win on TV. Um, <laughs> you did last time. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. Throughout, throughout the years, any TV games has just been horrendous. Um, uh, I'd like to think we could sneak a 1-1. I think we're never going to keep a clean sheet. That's, that's a given. I don't think we could sneak a 1-1, but I'm going to have to go 2-1 Arsenal, unfortunately, as it... It pains me to say it, but I think we've got to be a little bit realistic, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the form guide, um, well, not even the form guide really, but the league table, I guess, suggests that it will be an Arsenal victory. But as we've seen, um, as, and as we continue to see in the Premier League, it's never that straightforward. Um, so, you know, God knows what is going to happen at the weekend. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media and what you're up to at the minute? Yes, I am at cdunford0 on Twitter and I'm at Breaking Lines as well, the Breaking the Lines podcast where we do all over Europe. We've had some cracking guests so far. Um, so yeah, give that a check out. That'd be great. Definitely. And we'll be leaving the link for that as well in the description. Uh, so you can check that out. That's Breaking the Lines. It's a fantastic podcast, which Connor hosts. Um, it's a great listen. I can tell you that from personal experience. So please, please do check it out. Right, that brings us to the end of this week's preview show, a shorter edition this week uh, due to the Europa League game last night. Uh, it would have normally come out on the Thursday, but unfortunately the game uh, put a spanner in the works. We'll be releasing some extra content to look at the draw, uh, and we'll be discussing that obviously in more detail on Monday's review show, Tuesday's review show, I should say, bloody hell, all over the place this morning. Um, so yeah, we'll be back then, and my guests this week, are absolutely brilliant. We'll be joined by former Arsenal midfielder David Hillier and we'll also be joined by Jonathan Liu, chief sports writer over at The Independent who wrote a fantastic article on Arsenal just a few days ago. So we'll be touching on that too. You won't want to miss that one out on Tuesday morning at 10am. Until then, take care of yourselves and uh, up the gunners.